Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Change that up every week. There's only so many ways you could say that, I guess. Welcome to the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I'm Charlie Burris here, as always, with my co-host and A to Z Sports Tennessee writer, Zach Reagan. Wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I talk everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast. And if you want to listen... To every episode, make sure you go over to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed on Apple, Spotify, and subscribe. Because if you subscribe, you won't miss an episode when we drop them on Mondays. And you can be the first. I, I'm always surprised. There's like a set of people that the second I post them, it goes from like zero to like 40 listens, like almost instantly. I'm like, who who are these people just waiting yeah, by who are you? phone? Or, yeah. Tweet us. It's, please. Yes, because we've, I mean, first of all, I could not appreciate you more. You're awesome. A loyal listener. We really, like, that's incredible. But uh, either way, you can be one of those people if you subscribe at uh, Spotify, iTunes, the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed, at Charlie underscore Burris, at Zach TNT, and at A to Z Sports on Twitter, at A to Z Sports on Instagram, Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports Nashville and a to z sports.com for the stuff that Zach and I write about them balls. Well, Zach, exciting weekend for sports. It was the Super Bowl, but there were actually no Tennessee players in the Super Bowl, which is honestly pretty rare. Um, even, even in recent years, you've had, had some guys and what it really was, as far as that goes, was the Super Bowl of the guys who should have played at Tennessee. That, and it hurt. I can't lie. It was a very fun game, for sure, and we can talk about that. But you had, uh, obviously, the one that sticks out to everybody, T. Higgins, who's played at Oak Ridge High School, about 15 minutes from my house here in Knoxville, and didn't go to UT. He went to Clemson. And we all know that, and it's painful. Uh, Van, yeah, Van Jefferson and Jalen Ramsey, uh, all from Tennessee. Yeah, the, uh, the tight end for the Rams that, that uh, what was Bryson something. Well, there, who knows how many of them there are? Yeah, honestly, with Butch Jones out there, there were a trillion. And then when he he, he did get the good players uh, in here, he wouldn't use them the best way that they could be used. So. Good time. Uh, very fun game, but it was hard not to feel like you watched T. Higgins make that. Admittedly, he he threw the defender down to the ground by his face mask, 
but still made the touchdown catch for the Bengals. Um, you, you know, you watch that and you just go, ah, uh, why, why? But, uh, you know, what did you think of the game? Otherwise, I think uh, a, a universal experience, even though this is not, you know, a, a Bengals or a, uh, a Rams podcast, your thoughts on the game as a whole. Well, well, first off, just to touch on what you were talking about there uh, with the f- players from Tennessee, I saw somebody tweet this, and, and it's so true. If T. Higgins would have went to Tennessee, we'd just be talking about how underutilized he was at Tennessee, <laughs> and he was probably like a seventh-round draft pick and just mm. you know came out of nowhere type deal. So we kind of know how that would have played out had he went to Tennessee. I don't think he would have added more wins just because of who was the coach then. But I, I enjoyed the game. I found myself – I didn't really know who I was going to be pulling for. I'm pretty neutral in that aspect. Uh, I like Matthew Stafford, you know, after what he's kind of been there with the Detroit Lions for, what, 12 years and, and kind of paid his dues there. And he's a, he's a tough quarterback. He always has been. So, I, you know, I like seeing him on that stage. I also really like Joe Burrow. I'm becoming a bigger and bigger Joe Burrow fan every day, it seems like. And uh, so, so it would have been pretty cool to see him lead the Bengals to a Super Bowl win just because of the story of how that would go. So I, I kind of found myself leaning towards the Bengals in that. I know it's not popular with, with some Titans fans probably. But either way, I thought it was a great game. Good back and forth. Uh, the refs didn't really get too involved until later in the game. Until when um, it mattered most. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of, did, I, I don't know if you saw this or not. The uh, you know the referees, they always speak to a pool reporter after the game. And most of the time, you don't even hear anything about those reports unless there's just like a particularly bad call. Well, the head referee was asked, last night about the the face mask call that you referenced where T Higgins kind of threw Jalen Ramsey down. And surprisingly, he didn't say that they missed it. He just said that his guys felt like there was not enough of a grab of the face mask to affect the play. Surely they had not okay. seen the replay yet. <laughs> right? Dude. Sh- surely. I To give them the benefit of the doubt, which, you know, I certainly do not enjoy doing as a Tennessee fan as we've been on the receiving end of some horrific officiating. Um, but surely to goodness, I mean, you watch that replay. I don't know how it gets a whole lot clearer than that as far as that goes. I, I'm with you. The Stafford story is is very likable. We, we had that conversation last week. You know, people go, oh, he's a Georgia quarterback, whatever. Eh, first yeah, of all, Tennessee. the NFL. Yeah, I mean, it, exactly. You sort of forget about that. Tennessee beat him when he was at Georgia. So, you know, mm-hmm. stop being petty. And then second, you know, just being trapped with the Lions. Like, how do Lions fans feel? He was there for 10 years and didn't win a playoff game. And then he goes one year to the Rams and they win a Super Bowl. Uh, that's got to hurt. Um, it's, uh, I mean, not – I know we could go off on the Titans – for a, a long time and we we do from time to time I'm not trying to go down that road but really what the rams did they looked at jared golf and they said this guy's not going to get us to where we want to go and they made a huge move i mean a massive trade with multiple first round picks to get stafford and it pays off in year one i mean how genius does that move look in retrospect it's it's the exact reason why i i want to see 
uh, John Robinson, make make a move. That, that's exactly it. Yeah, do I think that with Ryan Tannehill, we can be decent? Obviously, you without Derrick Henry for most of the season, you you were the number one seed in the AFC, but he just he blows it on, on the big stage, and that's the way that it is. So, uh, you know, you're not going to win with that guy, so you got to move on, and you got to find somebody else, and they're, it appears like they're not feeling that same way in the actual front office of the Titans. But that's uh, neither here nor there. Going going back to, to you said with Burrow, like likable dude again. At, he was at LSU. I don't care much either way about that when they get into the pros. He is an incredibly likable figure, I think, for the NFL. And they have to be how excited does the NFL have to be that he's emerging like that with Allen and Mahomes and all of these dudes becoming finally becoming the stars that the NFL really needed. Everybody that they're becoming what people hoped Carson Wentz and Jared Goff would be. Exactly. Uh, so the league has to be pretty happy about that. But I will say I was rooting pretty hard against the Bengals for a couple of reasons. One, I had money on the Rams and I want a nice chunk of change. So thank, please and thank you, Matthew Stafford. Um, but then second, Quentin Spain plays oh, for the Bengals. And this dude went out and was running his mouth after they beat the Titans. Like, I can I can eventually process a loss like that one. You know, I'm a Tennessee sports fan. We've done it a million times. I can process a loss like that and be like, ugh, gross, but maybe next year. But Quentin Spain, the offensive lineman for the Bengals, going out after he got his ass whipped against the Titans constantly in that game. Uh, nine sacks given up by that offensive line. And then he goes and he talks trash to who, in my opinion, will eventually be the best defensive lineman in the NFL if he is not essentially already that. And Jeffrey Simmons, um, I mean, he's the heir apparent to Aaron Donald. Um, and and Quentin Spain goes out and talks this trash on Twitter. And I, I wanted to see him lose. And ultimately, not only did he lose, he gave up the losing sack. <laughs> To Aaron Donald. So jokes on Quentin Spain. And he went out, he went on Twitter and still talked trash t- again to Simmons, to Jeffrey Simmons. What are you doing? Who has that kind of hubris? Where does uh, that even come from? I guess that's how you become an NFL player, baby. You have that kind of confidence in you. But just what what are you doing? I mean, yeah, you're the you're the weakest part of the Bengals team. If they have a decent offensive line, they probably win that game last yeah. night for sure. I mean, they had a chance anyway, even with Burrow getting just destroyed. I mean, they did kind of what the Titans did to him. I mean, I, the Titans actually got to him a little better, uh, and the Rams are supposed to have the better defensive line, I guess, when you think of Aaron Donald and Von Miller from a national perspective. But um, – I mean, yeah, he just got destroyed. And like you said, Spain gave up the biggest sack of the game with the game on the line. And then you go to Twitter, and and I don't get it. Still talking. <laughs> I don't understand it. Your quarterback, like for, for a half second, we all thought he tore his ACL again. I mean, he was screaming in pain when he went down. Uh, and like that, that would have been it. I mean, I don't even know who the Bengals backtrack is. It doesn't matter. I mean, they're, they're a five and 11 team without Joe Burrow. So it really, if he's not on the field, they don't stand a chance. I do think it's also interesting. This talk around Joe Burrow that everybody is just like, Oh, you'll be back. Oh, you'll be back. Will Mm -hmm. you? 
I don't like that kind of talk. Like if if the Titans were in that scenario, that's not and like like we had Joe Burrow and we lost in that way after that big. Because I I can tell you that people were kind of saying that when when the Predators made the Stanley Cup, you're like, oh, you'll be back, you'll be back. Well, we had an even better season the next year and lost in the playoffs. Like that that team the the, the year after the Cup run was better than the one that made the Cup run and they didn't make. Yeah, the the cup again. So, I mean, the stars no, really aligned for the Bengals. The the Titans. That's where I was going. Yeah, the Titans beat themselves, right? Yes, they they should have lost to the Titans if if Ryan Tannehill doesn't have a complete meltdown from top to bottom. I mean, they they won on a last second field goal and then another last second field goal, and well, no, it was was it three in a row? Yeah, the Raiders. <laughs> yeah, the Raiders too, and 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 the Chiefs game, which. I mean, the Beatles had a good second half plan against Mahomes, but Mahomes did not play well at all in that second yeah. half. I don't, yeah, I don't know what was wrong with him, but he they had that game. It, and so you you look at that, and the, the only reason, Joe Burrow will be great. I have yeah. no doubt about that at all. So was but, Dan Marino. Exactly. And Aaron Rodgers goes out and wins one early in his career. Not never again. It's so hard to win a Super Bowl because it's, it's great when your team is just a quarterback away like the Titans. Yeah, we could get a great quarterback and probably make the Super Bowl. But I don't know that you take Joe Burrow away if the Bengals as a franchise is just a quarterback away from a Super Bowl. Like, I, I don't know that they're in that mode. You look at Eli Apple is pathetic in that mm-hmm. secondary and their their defensive line. Good. They were good against, really good against the run last night, mm-hmm. but they're not like the Rams' defensive line. That offensive line is garbage. And then they have a decent running back with Joe Mixon, and then you're left with one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And that mix is like they could be a middling team. They could make this miracle run to the Super Bowl, but you don't look at them and go like, "Oh, that's the Chiefs. They're definitely Mahomes will be back. He'll definitely be back." That's not. It's the NFL. All the players in the NFL are so good that a quarterback. It's not like college. You can't just say, oh, they got a great quarterback. They're definitely going to make it. That's not how it works. And so I, it would be cool for him to be that, and he'll be a star in the league. But I, the people that are just like, he'll definitely be back. He'll definitely especially, be back. Don't, don't get your chickens, boy. Don't. Yes. It's, it's a especially, Especially the quarterbacks that you were just talking about, that, you know, Josh Allen, Mahomes, Justin Herbert. Those guys are uh, are all in the – AFC, I mean, that's that's you're going through those guys to get to the Super Bowl for the rest of your career, and that's mm-hmm. that's going to be tough. I mean, it's just like Brady, Manning, Roethlisberger, and Rivers. I mean, look at Rivers, how great he was, and he never got there. I mean, he he's an all-time great quarterback, and he never got there. It is truly like treasure the fact that you made that Super Bowl run. That's yeah, you, you didn't take advantage, and that just is the way that it is. But the I, I always kind of take umbrage with that talk where people are like, oh, for sure, he'll he'll be back. I don't know. The Bengals are historically a trash franchise. Yeah, are they suddenly gonna be great? They won four games last year. <laughs> so uh maybe, maybe not. Um, anyway. Just an aside there. We spent the first whole chunk of the show talking about the Super Bowl. Uh, maybe we can put the description, like if you want Tennessee talk, skip ahead. But um, there's that. Now, 
the week in Tennessee sports. Not much going on. I let's let's add this quick note in before anything. Zach, this week baseball is back. Tony Vitello and the boys back in action this week. Very excited about it. I believe it's the end of this week. Um, so that's fun. One thing. Hopefully they're they're back out. I got a couple of pretty serious injuries in the lineup uh, right now. Um, but if guys can come back, if the offense can be as good as it was last year, still. I think Tennessee is right there. The the preseason rankings, Tennessee has definitely gotten respect, I would say. So that's fun. And it and it always I just remember as a kid when you when baseball was starting, you knew that school was almost over. That was always it was like the signal. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, it's baseball's opening day. Yeah. School, the end of school is is uh not too far away. Now this college ball starts a little bit earlier. Um yeah. but it is it is always nice. It I think in this case it can uh it signals the start of spring, which is nice. Been a cold winter. I'm about over it. Yes. Well, I think ESPN's supposed to have like over two thousand college baseball games that they're airing via all of their services, whether it's streaming or, or on satellite television, whatever whatever you choose there. So there should be plenty of college baseball uh, for everybody to watch. I know some of the Tennessee games are going to be televised, specifically that uh, big series against Vanderbilt in Knoxville. I think it's in April, maybe. I'm not sure. But I think that's going to be televised like all weekend. So that that's something to look forward to for sure. I, I just love that it's, it's really getting its due because college baseball has always been really fun and exciting. Same, same to me with college softball. Of course, with Tennessee, we're kind of we got a a good thing with Tennessee softball. Um, so it's always kind of been fun to watch, at least for the last however long. Uh, but like they're they're both just really exciting, fun products, and I'm glad, especially at Tennessee, that baseball is finally getting its its due. Look, like like you said, like we said in this podcast a year or you know back last summer. Uh, the way the fans responded to that baseball team, that just shows you, you know, they're itching to do that with football. I mean, they do it to football to an extent, of course. But, I mean, if Tennessee football was winning, it would be unreal. And, that, I mean, that was just a small taste of it. And it really showed you kind of what Danny White's plans are for if that happens. I mean, he embraced it and made some things happen, like with the block party. Uh, it was a great vibe. And – you know that that that's something that that should be fun if they really get everything moving in the right direction. So hungry for a winner. I mean, that's and they like things are going well, sort of across the board for Tennessee athletics right now. There's not many sports that are kind of in the dumper, um, and we just want not not just a winner. We want a champion. Uh, you know, that's we we're close basketball. Close baseball, you're close, but like let's ugh, let's get there. Let's win a championship. Maybe baseball can do it this season. Maybe basketball can do it this season. And let's move on to that. Um, that was going to be our our main first topic before we got a little too far down the whole Super Bowl rabbit hole. Uh, basketball this week, great road win at Mississippi State. Really gutted it out. Um, there is something to be said about how Tennessee is playing right now. You don't want to get ahead of yourself, but Tennessee is playing the best basketball it has all season right now. And 
you know, a win over Vandy and a win over Mississippi State is nice. They are kind of middle, bottom of the league teams. Um, but a win, a win is a win, and especially a road win at a pretty tough place to play in Mississippi State. Like, this team is pretty mentally tough and has finally started making shots, and you're getting the emergence of some guys like Zakai, specifically Zakai Ziegler, who is just electric. And now you got some young guys coming in with Olivia Kamwa going out who have been making some, some decent plays. They need to get better, but Brandon, Brandon Huntley Hatfield and Jonas Aydu coming in. I don't know, man. Are, are we getting too, too excited? I feel like Kentucky is going to be a good barometer. Yeah, for sure. I, I saw a, a tweet that really kind of deflated me after the Vanderbilt win. I think it was the next day. I said, yeah, this is what Rick Barnes does. He convinces you late in the season that this team's going to make a tournament run, and then they get to the tournament and bow out. And I was like, why? Why do you have to put that out there? Don't I mean, say that. I, it's it's true to an extent, but it doesn't have to be. And maybe it's not this year. I don't know. I guess we should just not think about that and just appreciate what what is happening in front of us. And and you're right. It does, it does feel like they got some momentum. And it's such a... This team was the Kai Ziegler. It's it's they're in a good spot, but this is not it's not where I envision them being, or it's not how I envision them getting here at all. Like where the team is now with with Ziegler playing a bigger role, kind of than Kennedy Chandler. It seems like I mean, who would have thought that at the beginning of the season, especially after Chandler had you know kind of burst onto the scene? Uh, it's that's I don't know. It's very surprising to me. I agree, uh, but I'll I'll take it. However, yeah, it comes, you know, and the it just it shows like the difference that just a little step up in play can make from one guy, and that, this is why I I really really want to see uh, the turning of the corner for Josiah Jordan James because you I mean you see it with what it brings in in Zakai and and. Triple J has really stepped it up also in recent games, but you just see how it can lift a team where guys, you just add that extra five points in a game. And that's a win compared to a loss. You just add those couple of extra defensive plays and it's a win instead of a loss. Like it can be that razor thin in a tough league, like the sec in college basketball. And I'll t- I don't need Kennedy Chandler to be great as long as Zakai Ziegler is is also great. I mean, that would be amazing. You're obviously going to just be that much better if they both are awesome. And you you have seen some of that. The end of that Mississippi State game was sort of that. Kennedy Chandler was doing nothing, and then right at the end, or was it? Am I thinking of uh, was it the Vandy game where he did absolutely nothing, and then right at the end, yeah, I, okay, yeah. well, because the Mississippi State game he scored like 18 points. That's right. Yeah. Kennedy had a great Mississippi State game. Then that Vanderbilt game did absolutely nothing, but came up clutch right at the end. Um, so, however you got to go about it, I don't care. But as long as they're finding their way, it seems like there's really good chemistry going on right now, even with the loss of Kamwa. I, man, hopefully it's not just false hope. You know, and, and it's not like Rick has just been an absolute bust in, in the postseason. You ran into an odd buzzsaw with Loyola Chicago. <laughs> and then Purdue has 
one of the greatest three-point shooting performances I've ever seen in a college basketball game. And you should have made the Alita. And you still very nearly won that game without a freak phantom call on Lamonte Turner uh, to end that game. Still so annoying. Um, you know, it's it, it's not like they go and like get absolutely blown out in the postseason yeah. and they just lose their head. Now that happened last season. That did happen last season. And it's inexcusable. And there was talk after that season like, hey, Rick, get it together. That was garbage. Uh, but on the whole... You know, made it made it to the SEC championship game two out of the last three years. Am I thinking correctly? I think that's the case. Um, so you know, maybe he just needs a team that'll put it together. We'll just have to see. But either way, I'm gonna like a team that's playing well in February because it's all about March. You know, you you got to get there. We're what? This is the 14th. You're two weeks away. From, yeah, you've only got two, what, five, six? Six games left, I yeah. think. Yeah. Um, very tough set of games. Uh, with you travel Kentucky, travel to Arkansas. You got Auburn coming in. That's gonna be a huge game. And then you gotta play mm-hmm. Arkansas another time, I believe. You play them mm-hmm. on the road and at home. It's gonna be a tough stretch, and it's gonna tell you a lot about this team, but I I just take a look at it right now, and this is what you want to be doing in any given season. It's good that you win fun games like Arizona at the beginning of the year, but the ones you really want to win and the time you really want to be playing well is right now. So take that for what it is. Uh, but any, we, we do have a football topic that I think is going to be the, the main thrust of this episode, but any other basketball thoughts before we move on? Yeah. I wanted to ask you what you thought about Josiah Jordan James performance against Vanderbilt. Cause I, it was kind of a, a strange, I didn't really know how to take it. He plays 35 minutes, way more than anybody else. Shoots 2 of 14. Not a great shooting night, but 14 points, 10 rebounds. He's playing a lot. Like, how do you, like, what's your read on that performance? How, what What's your takeaway from that performance where he's one of the main guys out there? I mean, he's out there longer than anybody, struggles, but he still contributes, I feel like, in a, in a big way. He plays primarily for his defense. So you have to look at it from there to start. I mean, he is, I actually saw a tweet. I included it in the little article that I wrote about Josiah Jordan James last week, where I kind of just said, is it possible that he's turning a corner right now? Cause this is, he is currently in the middle of the greatest stretch of games of his entire career at Tennessee right now. He's double, double digit points for the last five games. The most points scored over a five game stretch for him in his entire career right now. I mean, he's doing it. And <sighs> But his main strength is defense. And I saw that tweet last week that said that he, by the metrics of whoever was making this, you know, an analytics chart that they posted, he was the second best defender in America out of all players. Um, Josiah Jordan James was number two in all of America in terms of his defense, defensive efficiency. So he's out there for the defense. He's out there to be a senior leader. Well, I guess he's a junior, but you know, he's out there to be one of the older guys and, and bring that to the floor. And then it seems like with him, Rick, it's just sort of like, Oh, if he can score for us, that's an added bonus. And he's finally scoring for you. And so I look at that and I go, yeah, he did 
you know, what was he? One of seven from three. Maybe shoot less three-pointers and mm-hmm. stop missing them so much. Uh, but otherwise, as long as you're dropping in 14 points like he did and providing the defense that you can, you know, nine of 10 from the free throw line is huge. That's a, a player that's great at the fundamentals like that is always going to be useful. So I, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt. I'll, I'll, I'll say that he has been incredibly inconsistent in his career. But if he can turn it on right now, there's no better time to do it. I say, come on, like, please, please be that guy. We've all been waiting. We've been waiting for you to be that guy. Uh, and so even maybe even on an off night, he he can at least help rather than hurt. And that's nice. I, you know, I kind of went all over the place there, but hopefully that <laughs> that. No, I mean, it, yeah, because yeah, it was a very perplexing performance where you got to take all that into account so i mean that's kind of how i felt too well with that said big kentucky game coming up we're gonna we're gonna end the show with a prediction for that game we'll tell you what we think can tennessee pull that out there kentucky they're down uh essentially their second best player ty ty washington well reportedly so far it's unlikely that he'll play tomorrow i guess we're we're probably going to predict it with the assumption that he's not playing so big loss there We'll see what we think at the end of the show. But Zach, you had a topic. You wrote about this on a to zsports.com about Tennessee's quarterback situation and specifically recruiting quarterbacks to Tennessee. Uh, I'll, I'll just kind of let you lay it out and what, what you were thinking and I'll kind of respond to the way that you wanted to set this up. So, so what were, what are your thoughts uh, and what did you write on, on a to z? I think there's potential in the 2023 recruiting cycle for Tennessee to get a transcendent quarterback, uh, one of the top-rated players in the country, a five-star quarterback. Um, I think this is actually realistic. You know, we've seen Tennessee miss on these guys so many times where they're kind of in it. You you start to hear rumors. But I'm I'm talking about Nico Ayamaliva. I believe that's how you say his last name. Close uh, <laughs> from Downey, California, six foot five, 195 pounds, 200 pounds. I mean, kind of prototypical size quarterback. He's an interesting guy because he, he really seems he, he's, he's talked in some interviews. He wants to go to a school where he's really, really wanted. Like he wants to be shown that he's wanted, uh, Oregon, Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, uh, those are pretty much the schools in the mix. I think there was uh, an Ole Miss. So Alabama, Georgia, Ole Miss, Tennessee, and Oregon, Oregon looked like the top five for this kid. Well, what's interesting is that he's obviously he's number one on, on Tennessee's board. Those other four, four schools, well, they were three of them. I'm not sure about Oregon. They're kind of the wild card in all this. Uh, it just really depends on where he wants to go. But you would think if it comes down to Tennessee and Oregon and distance isn't a factor – you should be able to beat Dan Landing for a quarterback recruit. This kid wants to commit in May. Um, there's other programs, Alabama, Georgia, Ole Miss. Their top target at 2023 is Arch Manning. I mean, he's the number one rated quarterback in the country. We know all about his heritage, his, you know, his, his genetics, Peyton Manning's nephew, Elon Manning's nephew, uh, Cooper Manning's son. Seems to be the real deal. Uh, great kid, great makeup. Seems to be the next superstar. And and that's the top quarterback on those teams' boards. Well, 
uh, Arch is taking visits in the fall. I mean, he he's not anywhere close to committing. So if Nico commits in May, Alabama's not taking a commitment from him when Arch is out there. Uh, I don't think Georgia Ole Miss is either. I think they're going all in for Arch because they all have a legit chance to land him. I mean, he's got the Ole Miss connections. Alabama's Alabama. Georgia just won a national championship with a former walk-on at quarterback. Um, I think all of those schools feel really comfortable about about their prospects of landing Arch. So I think they're not going to take a commitment from Nico. They're probably not recruiting him as hard. He knows that. Uh, he knows that that he's number one on Tennessee's list, though. Tennessee is not in the Arch Manning business at all. They're not in those sweepstakes. He, they're not. He's not going to Tennessee. It's it's just not going to happen. And in a way, it feels like Archie Manning is benefiting Tennessee in their efforts to land a premier quarterback, uh, as crazy as that sounds. And if Tennessee lands this kid, I mean, that that could really expedite the Tennessee's ascent up the SEC East ladder. I mean, we've seen what quarterbacks can do. Uh, Joe Burrow, we've talked about him at LSU. I mean, he won Ed Ogeron. Not just won him a national championship, but dominated. Went fifteen and zero and just crushed everybody. Uh, he was the missing ingredient, but that's what a you know a quarterback can do, uh, or a transcendent quarterback. You look at at Cam Newton when he was at Auburn in two thousand and ten that year. None of those players went to the NFL on the offensive side of the ball, and that Auburn team dominated and, and won a national championship. And then Gene Chizik got fired the minute Cam Newton was gone. I mean, sometimes all it takes – I'm not saying Tennessee's going to go get this guy and win a national championship, but Tennessee can get this kid, and if he's the real deal, hey, suddenly maybe they're competing against Georgia for the SEC East Division title. Maybe, you know, they reach an SEC championship game. Maybe they go 10-2 and two or something. Uh, they Maybe they finally beat Alabama. I don't know. Uh, but those options are on the table, I think, if you can actually land this kid. That's a really interesting point. I – I would say to as as much as I emphasized when we were talking about Joe Burrow and the Bengals earlier, you know, like the NFL is not really just like a get a good quarterback and you're going to be great kind of league. It's just more complicated that when you're talking about players that are as good as the guys in the NFL, not the college level, even in the SEC, you know, at the top level of college football, you can just get a great quarterback and then be that team all of a sudden. I mean, I, I think you look this season at like Ole Miss. Won 10 games with a team that was generally pretty subpar, a terrible defense. And, you know, you look in that bowl game and you take away their quarterback and it just falls apart. And, you know, a great quarterback can just carry you, man. And so I would absolutely agree that Tennessee needs needs a kid like this ASAP. I'm certain that Josh Heupel is putting the absolute pedal to the metal for a guy like this. And with this guy in particular, um, and I would say, I hope that it is exactly what you said that we can kind of, even though we're not getting Arch Manning and I, you know, I don't think that at least I don't hope a lot of Tennessee fans were thinking Tennessee would definitely get Arch Manning. That was a long shot to begin with. Cause first of all, I he's, think not, there's some he's not Peyton's there. kid. There's some out there. Yeah, I, I mean, he's he's not Peyton's kid. Like, his dad went to Ole Miss. His dad didn't yeah. go to Tennessee. And and the, the legacy is at Ole Miss, and Alabama is better. Like, you just have a lot of factors working 
against you. And there's there. the whole narrative that that uh, the Manning family, Archie Manning, kind of lets his kids make their own decisions, which is why Peyton ended up at Tennessee. Though sometimes I question that narrative because Eli Manning refused to play for the Chargers, and <laughs> you kind of wonder where that came from. But regardless, it does seem like you know they they would they would not push him towards Tennessee. Tennessee's hasn't been good for a why? long time. So there's really no benefit there. I, I don't think the Mannings probably love Hypel's system because it's just not yeah. what they're used to. Not not saying that it's right or wrong. I mean, whatever works, works. There's no just one way to go about it, but it doesn't really match up with what they do. Yeah, Hypel's system currently, it is the cutting edge of college football, and that that's amazing, and it's been really fun to watch. Yeah, and, we, and look, we've seen we've seen Nick Saban kind of adopt a little bit of what Hypel was mm-hmm. doing in the SEC championship game and the college football playoff, where they started going up-tempo, trying to catch guys off guard. Uh, and that, I mean, that's what Hypel does. So if Saban is kind of following your lead, uh, you know, you're doing something right. Yeah, I. but the, there is there is that factor, but it... It is not like if Tennessee got really good, a guy like Arch Manning is going to look at Tennessee because they're really good. Yeah, not because Peyton. Not, yeah, you you can and you can overlook in in that case you can maybe overlook the the system and some things like that and just be like I might be able to go there and win a national championship. Like that's a whole factor that Tennessee cannot sell to a recruit right now. Like they can say come here because we're going to try to win a national championship, but a recruit knows like okay we're pretty far. <laughs> from a national championship team at the moment. Like they're not, these kids are not dumb. And, you know, eventually Tennessee could be super attractive to a kid like that. But currently I think you got to be looking at, at a guy like is, you said, Amalieva, it's something like that. How I am. I am a Leva. I am a However, it is spelled. Sounds like a Samoan Hawaiian kind of name, but which I saw, when I did post this article on Facebook, I did see a lot of comments of, I'm not sure you want to sign a guy whose last name is I am a lever. <laughs> Who is that kind of what it breaks out to? <laughs> ah, well. If, and, if and, and look, that 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 brings a point to, my, to mind. Uh, that's one reason why I think Alabama, Georgia, and Ole Miss, because they're getting guys too, are willing to go all in on Arch Manning and miss on this guy because they know they're going to find a quarterback in the portal. I mean, yeah. those schools, they'll they'll have a guy. I mean, Ole Miss is doing it this year with, with Jackson Dart. We've seen Alabama and Georgia. If they need to do it, they do it. That that won't be a problem for them. So missing on a – like going all in on a quarterback isn't really a risk for them when, when – you're seeing these quarterbacks commit so early because they want to have a spot. Like rarely are they waiting. Like Arches, maybe the one that can wait because he can kind of, I mean, he could bump somebody out of their spot really if he wanted to. Um, and it's it, it's that's that's a that's a hindrance to Tennessee right now in a way because Tennessee needs these things to stretch out as long as possible. But but maybe this particular situation will work out in their favor. Hopefully, I because. They, they are kind of in a nice position for a kid like this. You need as good of a quarterback as possible. You you can sell that your numbers will be absolutely gaudy at Tennessee. You can sell that the uh, the skill players around you as a quarterback are going to be pretty good. And even if they're not that good, Josh Eipel's system makes them look good. 
and you know you can sell all of that but yeah it's just not the current setup at tennessee is just not going to be attractive to a kid like arch manning he's looking to be elite and to win a national championship that's why i, I mean i think he's going to go to georgia or alabama like Ole miss that's so great too. you can be really hopeful oh he'll come and be maybe super, if blah, kiffin blah, blah. if kiffin like goes has another 10 win season which maybe I'm, you know manning's probably going to commit sometime in the fall i'm at. maybe he'll wait till the early signing period i don't know I, I lean towards Alabama. Uh, it's, yeah, it's mu- I mean, that that's gonna be tough. I don't, even though it's his Peyton's nephew, uh, Arch or a Manning playing at Ole Miss is what it, you know that that's traditionally what happens. That's not a big deal. But at Alabama, you know Peyton's gonna be at those games. Like he's gonna be cheering for his nephew. Like there's no way around it. It's family. You just you can't understate. How attractive it has to be for a recruit to look and be like, if I go, because the the Heisman Trophy goes to the best player on the best team. It does not go to the best player in America. Like, you can look and be like, Mm -hmm. if I go there, not only will I win a national championship, I could almost certainly win a Heisman Trophy if I play good enough. Even, like, I don't even necessarily have to play that good. Because, like like I said, like, it it doesn't go to the best play. Like, I don't... I don't know who else it would have been this year. It might have gone, I don't know, Bryce Young. You kind of saw in the national championship. He's a little bit of a product of the system that he was in. And when you take away those star players uh, on, uh, you know, at the whiteout position and some stuff like that, it gets a little bit tougher for him. But I digress. His teammate, um, Will Anderson, might have been more deserving. Exactly. So, but you just you just look in your Arch Manning and you just go, I want to have the greatest legacy possible. Where can I have that? You're going to have it at Alabama. You know, like, George, George is great, but is like it's not Nick Saban. It's not Alabama. It's not this, it's not this absolute juggernaut. Like, they had to true. They still lost to Alabama and still almost lost a national championship game that they won. Like, Alabama's just an absolute machine. It doesn't matter, and that just has to be... Like, how is that not, like, how does that not translate to a recruit as the best destination? Like, it just, it just is what it, I hate it. It makes me sick to the deepest core of my stomach. Did Alabama, you know, Tennessee's essentially primary rival is that. But that's the way that college football is right now. And that's the way that's going to be until Nick Saban leaves. Um, hopefully sooner than later. But, um, so I, just nobody can compete with that. Georgia can't compete with that right now. Yeah, they won a national championship, but it's their first one in 30 years, and Kirby Smart's not really a great in-game coach. Like, I I don't know. It's gross, but it is what it is. And so you're you're just not – at Tennessee right now is just not in that league. Your system is not advantageous for a guy like that. Your system is advantageous for a guy like Nico. That's what I'll call him. Uh, and, and it just – I think you're you're in a really nice spot. You go, hey, we can put up nil deals as big as anybody else here. That's yeah. Come on down, and and let's let's hook this kid up and make him a star at, at Tennessee. I think it would be absolutely awesome because t- Tennessee is not a quarterback away at the moment. They need some defensive help. They need their quarterback this year was pretty good. Yeah, uh, but having a guy who could maybe be in that transcendent level amazing that's it's what could take you over the top if you can get a better defense and well get, i think it would lead to back. that i mean you get a, a five-star quarterback and it kind of the floodgates open in a way yeah i mean when was the last 
five-star quarterback that Tennessee signed was, and I don't even know <laughs> who that would be. I'd have to go uh, back and look. Right. Uh, I mean, they haven't landed the well. Was Garantano on some services? He was the number one dual threat quarterback. <laughs> yeah, how can I that forget? year? As crazy yeah. as that seems, that that is yeah. the case. I mean, he was pretty. I mean, Ohio State wanted him, so that that was a pretty yeah. big recruiting win for Tennessee. Hopefully, this guy would be better <laughs> than Garantano. Yeah, but um, I mean, you talked about the Jotty numbers, and I, I've heard people talk about. Well, does Josh Heupel's system scare away, you know, high-level quarterback prospects? And it might. I mean, we're kind of talking about that with Arch. Like, that that's probably not what he's looking for. But on the other hand, you know, Patrick Mahomes is probably the most popular player in the NFL right now, especially with Brady Dawn. I mean, he came from an air raid system kind of similar to what Heupel runs. You know, there's a lot of similarities there. In fact, there was both the you know hypo system was born from his time with Mike Leach at Oklahoma, and it's kind of evolved from there. I mean, that's the same kind of the same deal. I mean, you can sell that in recruiting, like, hey, the NFL's doing some of this stuff too. Nick Saban's doing a little bit of it here and there. Like, this is the way of the future. This is how the quarterback position is going to be played. It's not. It's not 1985 anymore. You don't have to go out here. And you don't have to play it like Peyton Manning. I mean, you don't have to make all these calls at the line and be the, you know, the, the smartest guy on the field necessarily. You can go out there and just kind of sling it and and make your own things happen there. I, I, to me, you know, I've never been a college football recruit. Surprise, surprise. But uh, it just seems like that would be so cool to to hear that and be like, oh, man, that sounds really exciting that you're just – like it's it's a system, but it's a system built for you as a college football quarterback. Like it is mm-hmm. built for it to be easy and laid right out there. You know, it's not overly complicated. Like you said, you don't have to be the smartest guy in the room to try to make this thing work and and sit and watch twenty hours of tape a day, uh, like Peyton Manning did to be that guy. And, and so we'll see all, all this. The tough thing with Hypo right now is we're we're all excited and and I think you and I have really stressed that we don't really see red flags so far, you know, knock on all the wood that you can find. Um but there is still a lot that is yet to be seen. I and we've also been talking about recently Tennessee supposedly reportedly allegedly uh hindering its own recruiting, trying to appease the NCAA by giving itself uh, scholarship reduction supposedly that that may be happening um and so with all of that factored in it's just tough to say anything definitive about any of this stuff like i i don't think that we've seen josh heupel have an actual full year of recruiting yet like we have but we haven't and so i you know maybe this next year you go out and you win nine games and he has a a full, truly full year of recruiting where he's not hindered by these scholarship productions and things like that. And maybe we're really impressed or <laughs> maybe we're underwhelmed. Like, it could go either way. Like that's that's the thing is that the jury is still out in some some pretty big facets for Josh Heupel right now. Not, not to say that I think he's going to fail. He might. And it's not to say that I think he's going to be incredible. I really hope that's the case. Um, but that's just where Tennessee is right now. We're yet to be able to see some of this stuff come come to fruition to see how he's going to do it. So I'm 
I'm kind of on pins and needles over it because it is recruiting's the whole game now. It's the whole thing. You get the good, you get the good players, and you will win. That's it. Georgia is living proof of that. They run an antiquated offense, and you know Kirby Smart is not the smartest guy on planet Earth, despite his name. And they won a national championship because they just could out physical everybody, and they did it all year long, and. So we'll see where it goes. That's that's about you know my my thoughts on it, I guess. Well, kind of switch gears. Something you mentioned there, talking about the red flags, I haven't really seen any with Hypel. There's kind of the opposite of that that happened really this past week and kind of over the off season. Um, we've seen what happened at at Auburn with Brian Harson. I can't believe he kept oh. his job, but. <laughs> We've seen his assistants that he had just jumping ship. Uh, and it's even happened with Lane Kiffin a little bit, which has been kind of surprising. I didn't expect that, but it, it has been something to monitor. It's been the opposite with Heupel. Uh, he, he's kept his whole staff, and there were some pretty big hitters that came after the offensive coordinator, Alex Dolish. Ole Miss. Uh, yeah, Ole Miss came after him, and reportedly Miami was looking at him, uh, was pursuing him before – they landed on Josh Gaddis from Michigan. So it doesn't seem like Gaddis, who they stole from Jim Harbaugh, which that's another bizarre situation that we, we had touched on before. But Gaddis looked like he was the the next head coach possibly at Michigan, and Harbaugh comes back and he, he leaves for Miami, which is, I mean, come on. I, wh- where would you rather live, Ann Arbor or <laughs> South Beach? It's not that difficult. And, Mar- and I think Mario Cristobal do a good job at Miami. But – Mario Cristobal has been stealing assistance left and right from programs. He got a, uh, I can't remember, he got an assistant from Georgia, an on-field coach, to leave for a lateral move. It wasn't a promotion. Lateral move to go to Miami. And he's got Gaddis in a lateral move to come to to Miami from Michigan. He wasn't able to get Golish to leave Tennessee. Um, And Golish isn't. Super high paid. He makes like seven hundred thousand a year, which is considerably less than Jim Cheney was making as the offensive coordinator last year or in twenty twenty. Now I'm sure he'll get a raise, and I'm sure they've told him he'll get a raise. He should. Uh, but but whatever happened there, it never really got super loud. It never really got serious. It's like they gauged his interests, and he he wanted to stay at Tennessee. So when you got other programs pursuing your assistance, big programs, programs with money, Miami is winning the NIL deals right now. I mean, they've stole recruits from LSU, uh, Florida, where they've just offered more money, more deals. I mean, that's kind of how it is right now. We've seen it with Texas A&M. Uh, when you're able to keep a guy over that, I mean, that that says a lot about who you are as a coach and kind of the culture and what you're building that those guys, I mean, that's their career on the line. Golish probably wants to be a head coach and he will be, I think he will be. He's a smart guy. He sees Tennessee as the better place for his career right now. I think that is worth pointing out that, you know, hypo, Hey, not only are we not seeing red flags, we're seeing good things here. As far as Golish goes like that situation alone, he has to just be thinking, even if Tennessee is not great in the next couple of years, I'm going to look good because mm-hmm. the offense is going to be awesome. Like we've seen all the proof of that 
that we need. Tennessee working all year with an inferior set of players to most of the big teams that they played. And you were competitive and right there because the offense was just next level electric. And so he just has to look and he goes, well, I could go down to Miami and I don't know what that guy's running down there or want, you know, would want me to run. And it might not be as successful as this one. And if that nose dives, I just committed career suicide. Mm-hmm. And so he, he just knows if he stays at Tennessee, almost certainly I would guess, obviously do not know his intentions, all speculation on my part, but he can stay here, almost look good, no matter what happens. And then probably go get a head coaching job. I would assume is where he kind of wants to head with his career. Like you said. Um, so that's, that's that singular situation, but I could not agree more on the whole keeping assistance is it's not just not a red flag. It's a green flag, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. Butch Jones had a revolving door with assistance. The guy supposedly, and not even supposedly, I mean, I we were in the facility. The guy's a nightmare to, to work with. He's a nightmare as a person. He's a horrible person, uh, and that is personal. It's not just business. He <laughs> is a terrible person. Um, and And it's... You know, it was not surprising to see guys cycle through there so much and to see to see Hypel like it, it wouldn't be a red flag if he lost like two guys. That's not a red flag. That's but he d- literally did not lose staff members. It's still a long off season. It could still happen. But I mean, and not all these guys he worked with before. A lot of them he did. Yeah. But a lot of them were kind of recommendations like Rodney Garner is a very experienced and yeah. very well-respected SEC coach. Um, if, if he didn't like what he saw, he would have his pick of wherever he wanted to go as a defensive line coach. Anybody would take him. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he's a stalwart recruiter, right? mm-hmm. which is obviously, we already said, the biggest thing in college football. Uh, and yeah, and he's staying, staying at Tennessee. And I would I would guess a huge chunk of that is probably just you know, with that being the defensive side of the ball, obviously Hypel is the head coach and cares about the defense, but I, I bet with those guys, he kind of has a, you go do it. I trust you kind of a thing going on with the defense. And there's gotta be a huge, especially with the way some of these head coaches can be so controlling. Mm -hmm. There has to be major uh, freedom in that. And, and it's gotta be great as an assistant coach to not just have, Somebody like Jeremy, Jeremy Pruitt, all the reports that came out where it was just like he wanted to meddle in the offense constantly. And it was awful. And it made Jim Chaney look like he didn't know what he was doing with a You know, and he's a guy that we knew is not a terrible offensive mm-hmm. coordinator. Like he showed it for years and years and years and years and years that he's not bad. And he came here and looked awful because Jeremy Pruitt's an idiot. And I, I think... Some of that stuff has to be going on where Hypel is, is letting his guys coach, which is huge. That was such a knock on Butch and Pruitt. And I, I'm I'm incredibly encouraged by that. I, I would say, like I said, not only is it not a red flag to me, there's a green flag. Like, that's a very good thing that he was able to hang on to all these guys. Um, it's really just two things that they've they've got to improve and now maybe we can save that for another week. The two things they need to improve because that, that, that yeah, that's that's a whole conversation to have. There, there's there's two things I feel like specifically that, uh, and I think they can. I think they will. So you know we'll, we'll get to that another week. But 
Yeah, they're certainly on the right track for sure. And keeping the assistance is key. That continuity where Hype will trust these guys. He doesn't, I mean, he's the offensive guy, obviously. It's all his system, but he doesn't have to be in that room uh, to make sure it's installed the way he wants it to be installed. He does. He can be with the defense. He can be with the offensive line because he has such trust in Golish and the rest of the offensive assistants, and that's hard to replace. Like you lose Golish, yeah, it's still going to be Heupel's system, but suddenly he gets stretched a little thinner because he's having to spend more time with the offense, and and that's you know eventually it's going to happen. Hopefully, it's a situation where he just promotes somebody from the staff. Typically, we don't like to see that because that's what that's what Butch Jones did with uh, was it Larry Scott that then oh, that boy. was a disaster. Um, but hope in Heupel's case, we actually I think we do want to see that because he he it's his offense. We don't want it to change. It works like this. So keep it that way. Keep the continuity as best you can, and Tennessee will be just fine. Yeah, one hundred percent with you. It's it's huge and and surprising, <laughs> honestly. Um, I I kind of go with with Heupel right now. I'm like, man, where's where's the catch? Who's gonna get arrested? In I this know. Season? Who? Where? What's gonna happen? What's the catch? Period. I mean, you saw some of these UCF fans that didn't really like him, but I don't know, man. They got so spoiled by that one year, exactly. And I, then he still went undefeated. Until he ran into Joe Burrow, ironically, in the Fiesta Bowl. Uh, That was the only game they lost that season. And then you lose some guys. It's still a 10-win season. Then you have the pandemic year, which, you know, we've pretty much decided. It's not that we throw it all out because, look, we trashed Jeremy Pruitt for only winning three games. We don't give him the COVID excuse, but it's kind of just because of how things went, where he's firing guys in the middle of games. Uh, but but that six and four season really wasn't a true representation of who Heupel is. They weren't getting blown out. They were close losses. They had a lot of opt outs. It was just a tough situation for everybody. But I, I'm like you, like what? Where is the catch? What is going to pop up that, that just burns this thing to the ground, and yeah. we have to go through another coaching search like we do every four years, three years? When when does the other shoe drop? Uh, I mean, that's I, the way we're conditioned. Yeah, I mean, if if you're a Tennessee fan and you don't feel that way at, at this point, I don't know how. I, you know, you're just maybe you're just a brand new Tennessee fan somehow, yeah. so you're not totally damaged like all of us are. But you know what amazes me, and I see it on Twitter from time to time, is these you know people talk about like when was your first game or when did you become a Tennessee fan? And one, I forget how like that. There's 18, 19 year olds on Twitter <laughs> tweeting at us from time to time. Let's say like 2011 or something. I'm like, how? Why? Why did you even do that? You had I have, options. <laughs> I have one of my best friends. Uh, it's, I'm actually going to the Kentucky game with him tomorrow night, uh, the Kentucky basketball game. Um, he wasn't a Tennessee fan until he moved to Knoxville as a high schooler. And he moved in like, I have to ask him, I want to say like 07, 08 just the whole thing that he's seen is just yeah <laughs> garbage and he like he wasn't he's uh he's from um st louis and he's like a fan a cardinals fan and, and you know kind of all of that stuff yeah I and, doubt and he there's moved, many passionate missouri fans 
Yeah, I mean, he's, yeah, wasn't a Missouri fan. I mean, I, I always say that. Like, Missouri thinks they carry the St. Louis market. They don't. No. Um, and yeah, he came here, and I was like, why? Why? And he's, I mean, huge, huge Tennessee fan. Went to Tennessee. And <laughs> just like... Why? How did you stick with it? Like I, yeah, I was, I was nearly born into this. I mean, my first Tennessee game was when I was, I don't know, six or something. And like, I don't know any, anybody that was a, a grown, like sentient person and they lived through nothing but the terrible years. It's just like, man, I, I I respect it really. Cause I'm like, you, you really, you became a, a fan through the thin, so you'll be a real fan when it finally gets thick again, you know? That's, I think it just weird, be, but... like just the tradition. I think people want to be a part of that. The passion, even even if Tennessee's not great, it's a five and seven year. Or, or, you know, a lot of us talked about that Oklahoma game in 2015, how loud it was at Neyland. And we look back on that game with fond memories because of the atmosphere. I mean, Tennessee lost that game. Even though it was painful. <laughs> yeah. Tennessee lost that game, but there was no, there's nothing like that atmosphere. Uh, and whatever the outcome of the game is, people want to be in that. And that is organic. I mean, that is, there's nothing fake about that. There is no athletic director or anybody, athletic department that's trying to manufacture that or that has to manufacture it. I mean, that you don't have to do anything. The band goes out there and plays Rocky Top. They line up, you run through the tee. I mean, all that stuff, it just there's nothing special. There are no bells and whistles. I mean, I know they got the light show and stuff now to try to keep up with, with Alabama and everything. But I think people are just drawn to that because it's just so magnetic. We we say it a lot. And I, I think in some of these really lean years, as a Tennessee fan, it's hard not to think, like, is this really true? But I think it is. It sells itself. It really does. When you can pack in... It's still very 000, recognizable everywhere. Yeah, a uh, hundred thousand people in a state, one of the biggest stadiums on planet Earth is in Knoxville, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And it'll be that way for a long, long, long time. And you know, it's just it's hard hard to beat. Also, one of the biggest basketball arenas in, in America, too. Definitely one of the biggest in college mm-hmm. basketball. Um, and the fan base, even through all this nonsense, is still so passionate. We're throwing mustard bottles and golf balls onto the field. Uh, you know, we care that much. We're risking uh, <laughs> arrest, essentially, <laughs> still for this team. I will get arrested for Tennessee. Don't don't push me. It's okay um, to do it at the uh, Waste Management Open in Phoenix, though. Did you see that this weekend? I did. Yes. Which was electric. I loved it. I oh loved my everything gosh. about I was actually watching that golf tournament up until, like, literally right before they started seeing you in America the Beautiful. Uh, last night me too i I could not and then it was still overlapped i had my i had my tv in the garage on on the golf tournament i'd go out there you know to kind of keep up with what was happening i did like exactly that i well i just had i had the tv with super bowl on it and then on my computer i was watching because dude sahith the gala i want i ah, did too oh i wanted to win i was so hit that ball into the water and that was it i mean when he and he you know it was done Still came in third though. Had a really clutch yeah. putt on eighteen to to seal it, but still, that it was a ton of fun. And it, it's why I, I'm I'm a huge proponent of not having rules against 
like excessive celebration and stuff like that. It's so fun. Yes. You see that. Like it might be chaos if the if the PGA tour was like that every single week, but it would also be super fun every single week. So I you know, I that... I, I love it. like I'm I'm actually a huge proponent. I'm to the point where like I I kind of wish that other contact sports, specifically football, because I think it would kind of cater to this. I wish they would allow fighting. I actually do. I know people people recoil when I say that. I absolutely mean it. Go look at hockey. Yeah, I mean, that just... It solves yeah. a lot because guys guys will make a dirty play. And then the the team of the player who was the victim can go after that guy and literally inflict violence upon him. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it essentially allows for like vigilantism instead of it just boiling under the surface and not being able to just be out there. Like they can just have it out and, and go at it. And you get guys who are like enforcers and it's, and it's mm-hmm. fun. Like, I, I don't know. I, I think if they allowed that in football, it actually would be a good thing. Ultimately, that's a whole other conversation. That's a, a <laughs> lot to unpack there. But I, I, I don't know that I would extend to basketball or anything like Ooh, that. Oh, no, I don't think so. We've seen some pretty, uh, exactly, like Jokic earlier this year when he about broke a dude's neck. Yeah, I mean, you just can't, you can't do that. Um, but no matter, no matter what I think about my so you're I mean you're opinions. for fight, fight clubs and professional sports is what I'm gathering from it, this. It, well it needs to be it needs to be so it's structured it's structured in hockey I, yeah I like yeah for sure there's no all-out brawls between teams they just kind yeah of the like, the refs the refs come over and literally officiate it like a boxing match yeah like the refs come over and then when somebody gets knocked down they go all right all right all right and they, yeah. they pull the guys apart then you everybody gets penalties it's a penalty to oh, fight yeah. and you get sent away and then everything gets worked out. You know, you don't have this boiling anger that ends like in football that ends with like a guy getting his head taken off by a tackle. It, you can actually just have it out. But real, I could do like a whole podcast on that. I the psychology <laughs> uh, of of allowing fighting in hockey. It's so so interesting. Uh, I know there's not a ton of hockey fans in the Tennessee fandom, but just well, you know, something to think about. We've hit, hit football, basketball, golf, and hockey. Yeah. So. And, and baseball. We talked about baseball, too. That's yeah. true. Yeah we, yeah, we covered it all. We are a comprehensive podcast here at the Big Orange yes. Podcast. Um, well, any parting thoughts, Zach? With anything that we talked about, any any last things you want to touch on before we uh, we let the good folks go? No, nah, I guess we just got to touch on this uh, Kentucky game tomorrow. Oh, right. And, and hopefully you bring Tennessee good luck with your presence there. I will be there. Um I Tennessee so far is undefeated in my presence, including the Arizona oh, game. Okay. Yeah. I was, I was at the Arizona game. They, I guess ten, has Tennessee lost at home this season. I don't think they have. Mm, yeah. No, I don't think so. Cause the, the two of the losses not, were no. on neutral floors. Yeah. V- Villanova and Texas tech were neutral floors. And then at Alabama, how is LSU. that not a, how's that not a stat that we're seeing more often? You'd think I know. Undefeated at home, something that we'd be seeing all over social media. Yeah, nine and three in the league so far. Like Tennessee is is low, like low key. Weirdly, low key having a really nice season. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it doesn't feel that way because some of the losses have been really annoying. Like a thirty point blowout to Kentucky, but like it's a pretty pretty good season. Your top top twenty 
you know? Everybody's kind of looking, starting to look a little vulnerable, right? I mean, Auburn mm-hmm. loses to, you know, Arkansas. Um, what, Baylor? Who did Baylor lose to? They they lost. It was an unranked team, right? They lost a couple of times. They lost to Texas Tech. Well, Tech most recently. Uh, it, anyway, it, it just feels Virginia? like there's some vulnerability there. Yeah. The, uh, top of the college basketball landscape. So 18 and 6 is pretty pretty solid record when you I don't know. Growing up you were used to seeing college teams if you weren't 32 and 2 when the season ended then you didn't have a chance to win the national championship. That's just not the case anymore. And the the only team that's not looking that way right now is Gonzaga. I watched them the other night. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> now they and of course they put, they play like Pepperdine and you know some lower level teams out there in the mountain west but or not the mountain west what is it the whack yeah um but they are a buzzsaw dude the, that center that who what's his name uh holmgren chet holmgren dude he is the truth but i digress prediction for the game i was oh. thinking of when baylor lost to alabama which is two weeks oh ago. yeah it seems like much I don't know. It does not seem like that was over two weeks ago, but I don't know. This is a tough one to predict because Kentucky, I mean, hmm, I don't know. Without Ty Ty Washington, most likely. That's true. That's true. I'm still. Hmm. That's tough. I mean, Tennessee's playing really well right now. Um, And it's at home. uh, One, four in a row. Crowds are going to be really hype. I wish the game was at seven and not nine. Hate waiting around that really long, late. but I don't know. I'll, I'll I'll go I'll go Tennessee by two. Like they hit a shot late to break a tie. I think and then, Tennessee, and then Kentucky throws the ball away trying to score. Mm. That would be really fun. Would probably yeah. give me a heart attack. Um, <laughs> I think Tennessee smacks them. I actually do. I think oh, they're. Yeah. I think losing Washington is going to sort of throw them through a loop. Um, Shibway is very, very good. He's the factor that I think could make a big difference. But if Tennessee can hit three-point shots, he's not going to make a difference because um, he he's essentially the best rebounder in America, and he's dyna- dynamic on offense. I mean, he's so good, man. Um, but as long as Tennessee doesn't have to rely on its game in the paint, I think they'll they'll win. Not not running away, but maybe by like. Seven nine, you you have I the way that I think it could go. You have the lead most of the game, and then it comes down to the last few minutes. You're up by five, still hanging on. Kentucky makes a, has a surge late in the game, and then it comes down to the final like minute and a half, and Tennessee gets a rebound, and then Kentucky fouls, and Tennessee runs away with it on free throws, ends up winning by like like I said, like nine, I think, just on free throws at the end of the game. Just my personal prediction there. I hope they beat them by 30. That'd be nice to just return that favor. Oh, yeah. That that happened. Didn't that happen one of Grant and Admiral's years? You went to Kentucky and got smacked around, and then they came to Thompson Bowling and whipped them. Yeah, I think so. so maybe Tennessee can return the favor. I don't I don't know. The Matt, like I said, matching up against Sheboy is gonna be tough. Uh, depends on how Cal coaches. So we shall see. I think that's going to be it. I'm Charlie Burris. That is Zach Reagan. Thank you so much 
to everybody for listening. We got YouTube clips up. Uh, I should, I should, I gotta start saying that at the beginning of the show. Mm. YouTube, go to YouTube uh, if you want to see our ugly mugs. We are up there. Uh, otherwise, iTunes, Spotify, the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed at Charlie underscore Burris at Zach King and T at A to Z Sports, Facebook.com, A to Z Sports, and A to Z Sports Nashville or A to Z Sports.com for everything we write. I think that's it. Thanks for listening. And we'll talk to y'all next week. See you guys later.